everyone. My name is Mike Grauber. I'm one of the investment writers at Julius Baer here in Zurich. Today is the 21st of December. I'm pleased to be joined by Dario Messi from Fixed Income Research on this show. He will give our take on the Bank of Japan's surprise policy adjustment yesterday and what it means for fixed income. And we will close off this show with Max Ranieri from Structured Product Solutions in Geneva on a European investment-grade credit index. Yet first, I give you a quick overnight market catch-up. U.S. equities were only slightly up yesterday, with energy shares rising on higher oil prices, while U.S. consumer discretionary stocks fell on some weak housing numbers. Building permits for new home constructions in November fell to their lowest since 2020, as higher interest rates are starting to bite. But interestingly, home prices were reported to have increased 13% on the year in Q3, as supply remained somewhat limited, according to reports. For the S&P 500, with it being now down more than 6% since the start of the month, it is on course for a bleak December. But on the positive, in after-hour news, Nike is up 13% on better-than-expected earnings releases. And FedEx is up 4% after announcing an additional $1 billion of cost savings. The yen is a little weaker today at over 132 against the US dollar after it jumped almost 4% yesterday, its biggest one-day jump since 1998 on a surprise policy move by the Bank of Japan. And Japan's two-year yield also briefly rose above zero for the first time since 2015 today. U.S. Treasury yields also rose yesterday on the news out of Japan. They are at 3.7% this morning. But more on this entire story in a minute from Dalio. Interestingly, following the action in Japan, the pool of global debt yielding zero is now below 700 billion U.S. dollars. At the end of last year, it stood at over 11 trillion U.S. dollars. Clearly, there is income in fixed income again. In Asia, the equity picture is mixed. Australian shares are higher, Chinese equities are around the zero line, and Japan's Nikkei 225 is 0.7% lower on the rise in its currency. Although dollar investors are around flat over the last two days. In geopolitical news, Ukrainian President Zelensky is set to visit Washington, D.C. today, where he plans to meet President Biden and address Congress. This would be a big surprise, and it would be his first trip outside of Ukraine since the start of the war. In terms of economic data releases today, German consumer confidence just released at the top of the hour came in at, came in at minus 37.8. It is up a little on the months, but still very low by historical measures. And later on, we will also get U.S. consumer confidence and Canada inflation data. And lastly, after some rather muted days for equities, U.S. and European futures are set to open higher at the moment. So let's hope it's a green day for markets on this winter day. In fact, today is the shortest day of the year on the Northern Hemisphere. This is all on the market wrap. And now coming back to the Bank of Japan with Dario. So what happened yesterday? Thank you, Mike, and good morning to all of you. So yes, what happened, um, the Bank of Japan has two policy targets. So they have the short-term policy rate, but they also have this 10-year yield target for Japanese government bonds, so-called JGBs. And 
that's why we also normally talk about a, a yield curve control in Japan. So the Bank of Japan left the two targets unchanged. So we still have the short-term rate at minus 0.1% and the 10-year uh, yield target at 0%. So there was no surprise on that front. But having said this, the Bank of Japan doesn't have a strict target when it comes to this uh, 10-year yield, but has rather a, a tolerance band around it. And this tolerance band was widened to 50 basis points from pre previously 55, sorry, 25 basis points before. And, and this is actually what surprised the market. So does that mean that now uh, the beginning of a major shift in monetary policy in Japan? What's your thought on this? No, not to move on its own. We don't think so. I mean, first of all, we, we need to ask ourselves, why did the Bank of Japan do this? So for some time now, we had the 10-year yield always close to this upper bound. And this meant that the, the, um, to keep the yield in this target range, the Bank of Japan had to buy a lot of JGBs to take away this upward pressure that we had on yields. And with that purchases, many other private investors were also crowded out. In, in order to improve market functioning, but also improve liquidity of, of Japanese bond markets in general, uh, the Bank of Japan decided that uh, the target that they have needs to have somewhat more room. So I think important to no note here, it's, it's not about the decisive change in monetary policy but it's rather a consideration on market technicals. And in fact, I mean, we think there are still fundamental reasons why the Bank of Japan should deviate from its peers um, when it comes to monetary policy. Um, on the other side, you also have to acknowledge, I mean, wage negotiation next year, this could uh, remain one crucial element to, to decide whether the Bank of Japan will eventually also exit this loose monetary policy stance and also maybe um, we will get a new helm at the central bank. This could also add some uncertainty. But you know, in my opinion, current developments that we have on the inflation front there might actually be really Japan's moment to finally let behind this deflation mindset of households, which is probably still a bigger risk. I mentioned before that US Treasury yields also rose on the news out of Japan. Uh, so why is it that uh, also this was a major event for global bond markets? Can you maybe explain? Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, you're right. Uh, it was really felt across markets, um, even not just bond markets, you have to say. I mean, 10-year JGB yield, if you look at that one, it jumped quickly towards or at least into the direction of this new upper bound. Not there yet, but into that direction. And bond markets generally are quite interrelated internationally. And therefore, uh, this, uh, we saw how the yields across the globe were basically pulled up by the surprise move and the 10-year uh, JGB yield. Now, I think a bigger change in Japan's monetary policy, so not what we saw this week, as I explained before, but really a reversal of loose monetary policy like what we are witnessing with the Fed or also the ECB. This is always seen as a tail risk by bond investors. And why? You have a lot of Japanese institutions that are investing abroad, especially the ones uh, in need of longer dated bonds. So if they get more yield again at home, there might be more interest again to remove these fronts from abroad 
international bond markets and bring it back home. And this would certainly give additional push for higher yields and then again across the globe. Thanks a lot, Dario. Very interesting comments and uh, really shows the interrelation of global markets. And now we close off the show uh, with Max Ranieri, as uh, mentioned at the outset. Uh, he will talk about a European investment grade credit index. Over to you, Max. Good morning, all. Today, we'd like to focus on the European investment grade credit market reflected by the market ITRAX Europe Index. As our fixed income research mentioned in the 2023 outlook, credit spreads have widened this year. This, the combination of central bank rate hikes, higher bond yields and wider credit spreads caused a meltdown on the bond market, in particular in the second and third quarters. Annual returns are the worst recorded in a very long time. However, in the research view, the turn of the year could be a problem as we enter a period of limited liquidity with elevated market expectations. A rising majority of market participants are convinced that inflation has peaked both in the US and the Eurozone, allowing central banks to rapidly declare the end of the tightening cycle. We believe there is room for disappointment in the shorter term and the market moves could be wild in the remaining weeks of this year and going into next year. The market ITRAX Europe Index includes 125 investment-grade corporate entities with a minimum rating of BBB- by S&P. A new series with updated constituents is determined on the basis of liquidity every six months on March 20th and September 20th. It is a diversified index either in terms of sectors or countries. To name a few, amongst the current 10 widest credit spreads, we find Credit Suisse, ArcelorMittal or Intesa San Paolo. As mentioned earlier, credit spreads widened in 2022 and looking at the three-year tenor on the current series, the spreads went from 26 basis points on January 1st to 117 basis points at the peak in September to finally fall back to 76 basis points yesterday. Bear in mind that the higher the spread, the higher the implied default risk, which is currently around 3.8%. As JB Fixed Income Research has an overweight rating on low investment grade bonds in Europe, we believe it could be interesting to take a long credit exposure on the ITRAX Europe. Thank you all and back to you. Thank you very much, Max. Thanks a lot for this. This also concludes today's show. So we hope you enjoyed it and goodbye until next time. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.